What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Baseball America podcast. I am Carlos Colazzo, joined by J.J. Cooper and Kyle Glazer here to talk about the American League wildcard game that took place last night. Rays topping the Athletics 5-1. to one. Guys, this one was not as fun as the National League wildcard game, but it's a wildcard game nonetheless. I guess, what are your just initial thoughts? It, it seemed like this game to me was very indicative of kind of the environment that we're in now. A lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts a lot of dominant relief uh, efforts from both teams. Um, but just your general thoughts, JJ, I guess you can take it first. I, what you just said, I mean, the reality of it is, is this game just had less um, do or die moments. I mean, the reality of it is, is that the Rays jumped out early. And then after that, it was uh, a matter of could their bullpen hold it? You know, and Charlie Morton got into a couple of jams, but got out of them and, there really wasn't that there were not that many tense moments in the uh, final few innings, which mm-hmm. that's what made the National League wildcard game so amazing. That said, kudos to the Rays, but also kudos to Yandy Diaz. I mean, two, <laughs> two nearly identical home runs. I mean, if I, I, I have not yet to see the video overlay of putting those, you know, on top of each other, mm-hmm. but they were oppo shots that did feel very similar uh you know the fastball location is in the exact same spot right right so you know again the the rays i I think this is how the rays are going to and i guess it's how many teams succeed nowadays but it's it's all about you know hitting for power and hey the great thing is is if you get an early lead like that the you know especially in a do or die game where pretty much you have uh, a pitching staff of, uh, of millions ready to pitch in if needed. Hmm. Well, they didn't need millions because for one, Nick Anderson's really good. <laughs> I knew um, you were going to bring him up pretty quickly. He's got to oh, be yeah. one of your favorites, but Kyle, well, anything else to add to that? I think what impressed me the most, uh, I thought the Rays pitchers did an excellent job of executing start to finish. Uh, JJ mentioned there weren't that many jams, but Charlie Morton got out of two he ran into. I mean, the A's loaded the bases in the first inning after uh, Yandy Diaz had given them an early lead. Uh, Mm -hmm. Two outs, Morton got out of it. And then again in the fourth, two on, one out. It's a 4-1 game at that point. You know, if the A's get a run or two there, all of a sudden it's a one-run game with five innings to go. It completely changes Mm -hmm. the complexion of the ball game. Uh, Morton got out of it, got two ground balls. And I was really impressed just watching the A's relievers. I thought they sequenced really, really well. There were a couple times that came where I'm like, wow, that was a really good sequence of pitches. Uh, I think the finale of that to me was uh, Nick Anderson and Chris Davis there uh, in the late innings in the eighth, I believe it was, where Anderson's just curveball, 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 and then 98 right on the outside corner to get Davis swinging. Uh, I thought the A's did a – or excuse me, the Rays – uh, did an excellent job in game planning and matchups. And, you know, obviously this is uh, another chapter in a very disappointing A's postseason history. Yeah. I don't look at this game and say, oh, the A's could have done this or should have done this. I mean, just give the Rays credit. Uh, these are two really good teams. Someone was going to have to win. Someone was going to have to lose. And the Rays just played a really good game. They planned for a really good game. Um, they executed that plan. I I came away very impressed by the Rays, you know, start to finish uh, in all aspects of the game. Yeah, the, the Rays were levers really quickly. Four innings um, combined with eight strikeouts and just three hits. Um, the Athletics had just two hard hit balls the entire night. I think 
the Rays had something like eight. So I, I, mean, I think that's a big difference for you right there. I mean, Charlie Morton gave up a couple hard hits. I think one of them was just a hard ground ball. So really like getting runners on, but not being able to sequence enough hits together to, to score those runs. And we're not hitting home runs in the playoffs against relievers like this. It's going to be tough to string together. Because like you said, it seems like everyone's throwing 97-99 with filthy breaking stuff. Uh, along those lines, can we talk a minute about Jesus Luzardo thinking, oh, yeah. talking about filthy stuff? Oh, my you God. Yeah, we've been I, – I would say that none of us were uh, shocked or surprised by that. But, man, I mean, that was that was a wonderful uh, little hint of, of things to come if you're an A's fan. Right, Kyle? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, I think, is the promising thing you take from this game if you're an A's fan. I mean, keep in mind, this kid was called up September 10th. He's been in the majors less than a month. You throw him out there in a, in a postseason game. And for him to look like he did, pitch like he did, uh, it's just a sign of all the good things to come in his career. And, you know, obviously a, a win would have been nicer, but this was a, a little bit of a, of a victory for the A's, you know, to look forward to long-term for sure. Yeah, I think the A's have uh, pretty much their entire team coming back next year. I don't think they're losing too much. Now, they might be cursed forever in the playoffs, but uh, I think it's still going to be an exciting team next year to look forward to, as as probably uh, A's fans don't really want to hear that now. But um do you guys have any thoughts on really quick um, the broadcast? JJ, I know you were watching uh, the StatCast broadcast. I was watching the uh, the traditional ESPN broadcast for the first three innings or so, and then I flipped over. But uh, on my Twitter feed, at least, there was a lot of chatter just kind of about that. Um, JJ, I know you have thoughts on this, so I'll let you kind of take it away. <laughs> I, I do, and the thing that I the, – the, the main thought I have is is that I love the multicast idea. Mm-hmm. If you are a diehard baseball fan, you probably, I feel like you probably watched ESPN2 last night. And the reason I say that is, is that seeing, you know, uh, the opening lineups and having OPS Plus listed beside them instead of the traditional stats is preferred. The Mm -hmm. little ticker that they had at the bottom that was sharing things throughout the game is appreciated. Now, I know that that's not for everybody. And that's okay that that's not for everybody. And the reality of it is, is that, I do not want the StatCast broadcast to become the main broadcast. The reason I say that is, is that by doing so, you dilute it. You know, you, you, you take away what is most enjoyable about it, which is, is that, you know what? This isn't for everybody. We're going to have discussions that are really aimed. Look, the playoffs should not be playoff broadcast. The main playoff broadcast needs to have an understanding that it is approachable for someone who maybe is someone who's not watched an A's or Rays game all year. Mm-hmm. You have to have something for that fan. It's like, you know what? It's the playoffs. It's a wild card game. I'm a sports fan, so I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I want there to be a broadcast for them. I don't want that broadcast for me or for you or for Kyle or for if you're listening to this broad- this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's not the podcast, the broadcast for you. You don't need them to be stay somewhat at surface level, occasionally diving into something deeper. Yeah. You want it to be more in-depth. And I love – I mean, this is not new for just the baseball playoffs. I mean, you look at what ESPN does nowadays with their 11 the billion networks and what they do for, like, you know, the NCAA playoff games in football. They have – they slice and dice it more, you know, several different ways. That's great. We have the ability to do that now. I wish we had more like this because the reality of it is, is that we also know, and again, it's a little bit more work, but 
one of the things we're going to see coming forward now that we get into the LDS and the LCS is you have fans who have spent their entire summer watching and listening to only their home team broadcasters. Yeah. And so because of that, anything that is not wearing the team colors as they talk <laughs> about the team is viewed as clearly they hate our team. Oh, and also because of that, Welcome to a national broadcast. <laughs> yes. You know, but welcome to a Braves broadcast too. Like, I mean, you know, it's, you know, or a Cardinals broadcast or, yeah. you know, or a Yankees broadcast, all of these, that is the approach that they are, that the fan is used to. Mm -hmm. And so, but that it, in two different ways that works against you for these national broadcasts in the playoffs. In one, they want to have it taken from the perspective of root, root, root for the home team. But for two, because it's a national broadcast, they have to tell all the stories that if you were a fan of your team are obvious and you knew about for five months. <laughs> and so having it sliced and diced, having these multicasts where you're like, you know what, we're going to give you for today's, you know, for, for today's games, we're going to give you a Dodgers centered broadcast. We're going to give you, you know, a brave centered broadcast. We're going to give you a national centered broadcast. I think that's where we're going to go long-term because mm -hmm. the reality is, is that's what people want. Yeah. Kyle, any other thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I actually enjoyed watching the traditional broadcast last night. Um, I, I actually thought that um, Matt Vascursion, Alex Rodriguez, Jessica, Jessica Mendoza, I thought they actually did a good job presenting data, even in the traditional broadcast. Um, mm -hmm. Just one example, the first inning, Mark Canna comes up and Charlie Morton just starts, you know, slicing off, breaking, snapping off breaking balls to him. And, you know, they immediately brought up, hey, here's why he's doing this. Here's Canna's average in OPS against fastballs mm -hmm. this year. Canna's average in OPS against breaking balls. So I think that even the traditional broadcast is doing a good job using StatCast data mm -hmm. and presenting it in a very digestible format for, you know, traditional viewers um, or even yeah. casual viewers. So uh, I give ESPN credit. I think the simul, uh, or I should say the, uh, the quote-unquote nerdcast, uh, they do okay. a good job. It is fun to listen to. I, I think they do a good job with that. But I also do want to give the traditional broadcast credit as well for making it accessible to more casual fans but not dumbing it down either for, you know, people who are a little more hardcore. Um, I, I, I enjoyed the traditional broadcast. I thought they did a good job with that last night as well. Yeah. I, I just want to add really quick that obviously it's hard to come to this from uh, the perspective of someone who's maybe a, a more casual fan of baseball than I am and that we are. But I, I think the, what I would give credit to the StatCast guys doing a really good job of, of explaining everything very clearly um, obviously I don't, I wouldn't know what it would be like coming to this with no knowledge of these statistics, but I feel like everything was presented very, very clearly for people who, who didn't know what was going on. It felt like a very, uh, a very impressive learning experience and kind of explaining how the game is run today. Um, obviously we'd probably have to talk to some people who, who didn't know what Woba was or never heard of sprint speed to, to see how they reacted to it. But I thought they did a nice job. Um, if you guys don't have any other thoughts on this game, I guess we can look forward. Uh, to the division series games getting kicked off. I think we have Cardinals Braves today, Nationals Dodgers. Um, we can do some predictions for the rest of the playoffs. Absolutely. Let's dive in. Sounds good. All right. First game we have today is Cardinals at Braves. That's at 5.02 p.m. on TBS. Um, I feel like this might be one of the – actually, both of these National League series are, are going to be pretty close, just kind of how, how it bored out. But, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this series and this game tonight with the Cardinals and Braves? 
I'm looking forward to the young pitching versus uh, the young hitters. I mean, Jack Flaherty is one of the best young pitchers in baseball. And Oh, by the way, you know, people don't realize Dakota Hudson had a sub three ERA from May through the end of the year. I mean, mm. you have two really good young pitchers against the Braves lineup with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna and, and so many talented hitters. Um, I think this one's going five games. I really do. Um, I, the Braves have home field. They've been the better team throughout most of the year. The Cardinals definitely you know, kind of slumped, uh, limped into the playoffs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I will pick the Braves in five, but I would not consider it an upset if the Cardinals won. I think this is a very talented Cardinals team with, even though the offense underperformed for a lot of the year, you know, you look one through nine, there's not an easy out in there. I mean, all those guys are capable of doing damage at any time. Um, again, I, I think this series has a chance to be close, but I would end up picking the Braves just because mm-hmm. I think they've played uh, stronger baseball more consistently throughout the year. We saw their bullpen additions at the deadline make a difference. Uh, Mike Fulton, which uh, looked like he might have gotten some things figured out here toward the end of the year. And I think that'll be enough to push the Braves over the top. But again, I say that with like a 51 to 49% confidence interval. It's not <laughs> yeah. a like the Braves are winning and the Cardinals have no chance. Like, again, if the Cardinals win this series, no one should be surprised. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I actually picked the Cardinals to be my National League World Series team. And they're, they're here, they're in it. So I, I don't know if I can jump off them yet. Um, yeah. Independent of that, again, I, I probably give the Braves a slight edge. All right, JJ, what you got? I also picked the Braves. I probably am a little more, like I'm probably 55, 58, 58, 42 <laughs> is, is my uh, confidence on this. And, and really that comes down to, you, you mentioned, I mean, I think pitching staff wise, I think it's actually uh, pretty similar, but I just think Atlanta's lineup is significantly better. Now, if there's a criticism I would have of Atlanta's lineup, and this wasn't true when everyone was healthy and all, and, and they kind of had a, a deep bench, which they kind of lost a little bit of and all that. But I, I think that really what it comes down to if Atlanta is it's, it's almost kind of like an old school offense. Like remember back when I was growing up, you know, really baseball almost all the way up to the eighties um, where the top of the lineup's really good. And then you get to the bottom of the lineup and it's not so good. You know, again, if it, a healthy Dansby Swanson, if he's kind of on fire, if he's hot, like he's shown flashes of lately, maybe changes this, but I, I do feel like it is, it's the Acuna, you know, Albies, Freeman, Donaldson show. And then after that, the, the that rest of that Braves lineup really drops off. But that said, the Cardinals, you know, they have got, I mean, again, the Goldschmidt's and all that. But the reality is, is that this Cardinals lineup has not had a, you know, a Donaldson or an Acuna or an Albies this year. And again, the other thing we have to watch for is – is are we going to see close to the Freddie Freeman that we saw, you know, that we've seen for basically much of the last decade, or is this, you know, or is he too banged up? You know, is this, he got some time off to try to recover, but if he's not swinging the bat like he normally can because of this, uh, you know, this elbow problem, uh, that could be a big, uh, a big difference as well. But I, I do feel like, you know, the, the Braves had a pretty awful bullpen early on. They've kind of largely fixed that they've kind of, I think they've, you know, as, as Kyle mentioned, the, the return of Mike fulton to kind of to form that he showed last year is very important for them. But I do feel like that this is a little bit better team. And, you know, again, they do have the home field. It's, I would give them a, a, a reasonably slight edge. Yes, I would go Braves in four. Uh, I won't dive into it too much since you guys talked about it pretty well and, and broke things down. 
fairly well. Uh, important to note, though, in the second half ERA, Cardinals have a top seven bullpen ERA. Braves bottom six somehow, though they did add a few nice pieces. So that'll be interesting to see how much uh, they rely on the pen in this series. Uh, next game, we can jump into another National League game. We've got Nationals at Dodgers. That starts at 8.37 p.m. Eastern time on TBS. I think this one is really fascinating because I feel like the Dodgers almost got a terrible draw uh, just because they could very well wind up playing the second-best team in the National League in the first round after getting the top seed. If you just go by run differential, I mean, it's Dodgers and Nationals. Obviously, there's a lot more than that. But this is going to be another series. I think while the Dodgers should be the favorites here, I don't think anyone would be surprised if the Nationals managed to, to squeak out a series win, considering uh, their starting rotation and some of the uh, impact bats they have in the lineup. We'll go ahead with you, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I'll be uh, covering this game, so uh, make sure and stay tuned. Uh, BaseballAmerica.com for, uh, for coverage of what's going on. Uh, I'll be covering the series, I should say, uh, while they're here in L.A. Look, the Nationals are extremely, extremely hot right now. They have won nine straight uh, coming into tonight's game. They are firing on all cylinders. They're riding high after an incredible comeback uh, in the wild card game. I think where the Dodgers maybe have the advantage is, you know, they need to come out and, and jump ahead. Uh, not that facing Patrick Corbin in game one is going to be easy, but uh, the fact that Scherzer and Strasburg are both down for obviously, you know, tonight and probably tomorrow too, um, you know, gives them a chance to jump ahead. I think they have to take advantage um, to me, you know, two keys to the Dodgers, you know, as I've said, since I first came to North Carolina and uh, had had some time covering the Dodgers postseason runs in 2014, 2015, you know, Justin Turner is the heart and soul of this team. Um, even though, you know, things have changed a little bit with the dynamic of that lineup over the years. Uh, he still is kind of the emotional leader of this team. Uh, he's coming back from a back injury. He played a little bit at the end of the year. Uh, I think, you know, his health is going to be a determining factor here. The other is the Dodgers bullpen. Uh, I wrote about Kenley Jansen and the struggles he was having. Uh, his first outing after that, he went out and gave up another run. Uh, but then he kind of settled down and, and finished well. Um, but, you know, those were facing uh, the Padres who could ever be confused for the Nationals offense. So I, I think that seeing, you know, how Justin Turner, his health is, again, just because he can, you know, again, really carry this team emotionally. And then also Kenley Jansen, if he uh, can be the guy he showed at the end of the year against the Padres, or if he reverts back into being the guy he was the rest of the second half, is going to be a big difference. I'm going to go Dodgers in five, uh, but we talk about confidence intervals. You know, if I was 51-49 with the Braves and the Cardinals, I'm 50.1 and 49.9 here. <laughs> I mean, this is a really, really good Nationals team. And again, if the Nationals can take game one and, and have Strasburg and Scherzer lined up here to pitch later in the series, I mean, that's going to flip everything. JJ? I'm going to go again. I, we're, we're picking uh, the same, but I, I'm, again, more adamant. I, I think I think this Dodgers team, yeah, you know, you mentioned there, there are – it's not a perfect team. But when we talk about, like, with the Braves, that the Braves is kind of a very top-heavy lineup, what stands out to me about this Dodgers team is this team, you know, is the, – the lineup is just so deep. It's just so impressive. They have – they have a, a large number of players who you're saying, okay, it would not shock me if they had a day where the, it was their day to just kind of star. Mm -hmm. um, you hit on it. The, the biggest question is the bullpen. Obviously the bullpen will be helped a little bit by the fact that 
they're going to be able to kind of move, uh, you know, move guys around a little bit. They're, they don't have to, they can kind of shorten the rotation now a little bit. And at the, the thing that obviously stands out about this nationals team is, is it's a great rotation. It's an exceptional rotation, but that said, I would, if you picked a team that I would say, okay, can match up, you know, pitcher for pitcher with them, I'm going to go with the Dodgers. You know, this is a Dodgers team where is Clayton Kershaw the third best starter in, in this rotation this year? Uh, and <laughs> Weird to think. That's, that's probably true. If that's the case, I, I'm, I'm quite a fan of the Dodgers rotation because, you know, Hunjin Yu's been great this year, you know, for most part. Did have a couple of little issues at the end of the year, but Walker Bueller is a fire-breathing dragon uh, who could absolutely – if I said – if you said pick the guy in this playoffs who could have the start that just leaves our jaws, you know, on the floor in the National League, it could be Walker Bueller, could be that guy. He was, he, he was the guy who did it last year in the World Series, uh, that 18 inning game. He was dominant in his start that game, and he won game 163 for the Dodgers last year. I mean, people talk about Clayton Kershaw's playoff struggles, and, you know, you can kind of assign whatever narrative to that you want. But Walker Bueller, as a rookie last year, I mean, took October's biggest stage and made it his own uh, a couple of times. So, you know, he's, he's starting game one tonight. And, uh, this I think you're right. I mean, he's the guy that the Dodgers have lined up to maybe, you know, pitch start two games this series. And, there's a reason for that. He's, he's really, really shined in big moments like this. Yep. Well, thanks for breaking it down, guys. Um, I guess with those being the only games today, we can probably touch on the other series uh, in our next podcast, yep. kind of when we break down today's action. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're going to keep these playoff podcasts coming. Uh, every day there's, there's a playoff game. So um, Every weekday. We're, sorry, we're not. I'm not. I'm not talking to you guys on Saturday or Sunday. No offense. <laughs> Every weekday we will have a uh, playoff podcast for you. So thanks for listening. Uh, check out the site if you haven't already. We've got some great stuff. Teddy Cahill has some recruiting content up now, breaking down different classes. I think ACC and SEC went up today. We're continuing to roll out our underclass high school rankings. Uh, and as Kyle mentioned, he'll be on the ground covering this Dodgers Nationals game. So definitely check out all of that. And uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, until next time. <laughs>